Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and motivational speaker. Today is a fun holiday episode. Uh, This one is coming out on Christmas Eve, for those of you that are Christian. And what a fun time, a holiday time that we bring people together. Uh, I thought, what better guest to bring back than my old friend, Paul Yanni. Uh, so Paul, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you could give a brief introduction about yourself, then I'm going to tell them what we're talking about. We're going to leave that a little bit of a Christmas surprise here. Love it. They'll, they'll have to unwrap that one in a couple minutes here. That's right. Um, I am a fifth grade teacher from Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's my second year full-time in the classroom. Um, and this year I decided to jump into gamification and adding more games to my classroom. And we're kind of documenting my journey over the course of the year. That's It's been so fun having me be part of your journey. So thank you for letting me tag along for this ride. It has been so fun. And I have heard from lots of people that absolutely love the questions from Paul series. So thanks for willing the willingness to like let us all be in on your journey. Absolutely. It's it's been so fun. So today's episode, Paul, is kind of a a different one. Uh, we you know we're always talking about gamification with kids and students and gamifying your class and what you can do in school to kind of bring that joy and that passion. And obviously, I think that that is so important. It's it's central to my work and 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 my ethos and my beliefs. But today today's episode. Friends, family, lend me your playful spirits. We're talking about playing games with adults, right? Like your neighbors, your friends, your family. Here it is, the holiday season. I guarantee you, Paul and I say, like, go into that game closet you have, pull off the game. Also, use some of those Amazon gift cards you got. Go to your local retailer, your local friendly game shop, shop if you're lucky enough to have one of those. Pick out a game and play it. Paul and I are going to walk you through some of our old-time favorites, some of our new favorites. It's going to be a great episode. It's probably going to up your shopping cart <laughs> a little bit <laughs> every time one of these episodes come out. It it costs some of you guys some money, but I guarantee this is money well spent. Absolutely. Uh, well, I guess on that note, maybe we should just open for a minute, and I'm going to admit to some people, this podcast might go a little longer than our normal half-an-hour session. So just <laughs> you know, consider it a holiday gift. Well, I know almost every time we record, we are on the line probably an extra half hour after we're done recording talking about this. So We are. We are. This is like we're, we, we both love games. This is a huge passion <laughs> of Paul and I's, and I'm super excited we get to do it together here for the well-played community. But let's start with cost. Uh, we're we're going to get into suggestions. So look, okay. but just a brief touch on cost because some people that don't game – they, they they load up that Amazon page, they go to that aisle in Target, and they're like, you know, like 40 bucks for a game or whatever. H- how can we help them, like, rationalize that $40? I mean, do you need it? No. So, yes, if you totally are saying, <laughs> wow, it's too much money, you're right. Like, we don't need anything, really. We just need some shelter and some food. But when we're going to start building in some niceties into our lives, why are games a good choice? And, and why is that $40, $50 price point kind of an okay one actually um well for me games are a way that i get to connect with other people and 
keep a conversation going. Um, I'm not the best at, you know, just sitting and, and starting conversations and having a move and not kind of withdrawing myself. But when we have a game in front of us, we all have a common goal, whether it's all together in a cooperative game or all against each other, it really forces positive social interactions. Um, and I really like that. It's a good way for me to connect with people I don't know very well. It's a good way for me to strengthen relationships that I already have. And it just is, it gives everyone something fun to do while still interacting socially and being together and present and with each other. Yeah. So Paul had said across some of my favorite ones, one games bring people together. So just, just on the sheer, like you can have, you know, four buddies over or, you know, another couple over or your neighbors over and play a game or your family, right? It is at that shared experience that I think is priceless. Or if you think about other things that would cost you money to go do as a family, or if you go out with your friends, it's going to cost more than $50 probably. And, and those are good things. I'm not trying to say don't do those things, but like mm -hmm. to throw in the mix an occasional board game that then you have like, and if you maybe even start doing kind of a once a month with some of your friends, they buy a game and you get to go over to their house and play that game. And then like your library amongst you in this sort of game friend cadre that you build, like all of a sudden you have five or six games and, and maybe you guys stop there and you just sort of play those five or six, but it only costs you guys 50 bucks each for kind of almost endless entertainment. Every time you play the game, it's a little different. People are making different choices, different. There's high replayability value. There are countless types of games. Mm -hmm. uh, the and there other... are games that, that you, that are on my list that I paid less than 20 bucks for. It doesn't sure, have no... to be a giant game. You can find those cheap gems in there as well. hundred uh, percent. I just use 50 as like a, a sort of fair. Well, and I think that that does run people off because when, like you said, when you go to Target, when you go to a game store, the ones that are big and on display are those $50 ones. And people look at that and go, nope, not for me. And don't, it's hard to then get them to, here, this is a $10 game that's just as fun, mm -hmm. just as replayable. Yeah. I think too, on just a side note, as <laughs> maybe this is coming from the fact that I wrote a book, but like, when you think that like that's also somebody's idea like somebody like oh my gosh somebody like has poured countless hours of like blood sweat and tears into this thing and to you know like they've developed an entire system an entire thing they've play tested it. it's fun um i mean not to mention i mean there are some clunkers out there i mean you should like listen to people and <laughs> read some reviews and whatnot but like assuming you're picking up a good one which there are so many good ones i mean i own hundreds of board games and i would i would say hundreds of them are very very good <laughs> like, <laughs> so like you can have a collection of 200 awesome board games like they're not like mm -hmm. they're the likelihood you buy a good one is pretty high actually mm -hmm. um, the other thing paul mentioned that before we move on to the actual game suggestions i just want to say this idea of having a shared focal point is so fantastic because people of all sort of social abilities can come to that table because 
you, you can be the most boisterous person, and that might just make the game a little more fun, that you have that person that's that colorful and that lively. But sort of the quiet person has something that they can focus on and make conversation. Like the, the quiet person can even say to the boisterous person, you you know, you bought the card that I wanted, you know, like, ah, right? Because there's <laughs> that shared experience. But conversationally, just around a dinner table, probably the quiet, shy person isn't going to really interact across to the to the boisterous person at all because they're going to have to think of something to like break in with and they probably won't break in with it. But when you're talking about a game experience, there's like a there's a social safety net built in because we all are having this shared experience. I don't have to drum up the next conversation. Is this the moment when the conversation can shift? Can I like, you know, that's hard to read. That's hard to read and mm -hmm. say like, yeah, like we're going to switch. Hey, my favorite vacation was this. And then like socially, like sometimes there's anxiety, like, oh, no one cared about that conversation and we just left it. And then you're like, oh, but like with the game in front of you, you know, that's an interest. You can say anything about that game and people will join in that conversation mm -hmm. so, good call i didn't even think about adding that as like a, a reason but that's a solid reason all right they've heard us like talk about the sort of like justifying the cost why it's important it brings people together fantastic now let's get down to like the best part my favorite part like we get to talk about the games and yes there are so many of them uh so forgive me and paul that uh you know, we could, we could sit here all day long and tell you game after game after game after game. Um, but uh, what's, what's one that you've recently discovered? So, like, I don't know, 2019, here we are at the end of 2019. What's one? It doesn't have to be made in 2019, but you discovered it in right. 2019. Um, I lucked out um, in that uh, we have, me and my fiance have a connection with someone who is a big board game collector and was trying to get rid of a lot of things. So he dumped a bunch of games on us for really cheap. And one that we just played is a social deduction game called Good Critters. Oh, I don't know that one. So Good Critters, have you ever played Cash and Guns? Oh, yeah. So it's a similar kind of thing to Cash and Guns. You are um, you're a mob that's made up of little forest woodland creatures, and you each pick your woodland creature that you are. And one person is a boss. And the boss gets all the loot that you've gotten from your last heist. And they get to divide it as however they want among the other players. The other players get a chance to vote that if they like how the boss is splitting the money, they can vote to keep that boss. If they don't like how the boss is splitting the money, they can vote to move the boss to someone else. Or they can vote to skim a little bit off the top if they're able to get that done quickly, or they can vote to rob another player. So there's a lot of trying to figure out what, who's going to vote for what. If you're the boss, it's how do you make everyone happy without losing yourself? Cause you can make everyone happy and not give yourself any money and then just be the boss the whole game and lose. Or how do you, how do you navigate that? keeping people happy, but also keeping as much money as you can for yourself. Uh, I am, as Paul brought this up and I had never heard of the game, I had to obviously instantly like Google it. And <laughs> so just letting everybody know it is one you can pick up on Amazon. So it's not out of print. Um, I'm sure you can pick it up at your local friendly game store as well. Uh, retail price of 25 Amazon's 21, uh, 19 reviews, all of them five stars. So it sounds like Good Critters is a good suggestion. Um, 
and it's, it looks like it is. Uh, I love Cash and Guns. It is a funny game. It's a fun game. As we get more and more into the 2000s here, so now we're we're about to be 2020. It does seem a little like I feel a little bad pointing guns and doing all. This it stuff. is. It's 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 a little. Uh, but yeah. this one is has that kind of vibe. It's actually a little bit of a deeper game in terms of gameplay, and it's woodland creatures. The theme is silly and fun, and it's a great. I don't. I don't know. There would be a time where we would be. Do we want to play cash and guns or good critters? And we would choose cash and guns. Yeah. No. I think that 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 was. Uh... A place in history where that worked, and I don't, I don't feel necessarily super comfortable playing Cash and Guns anymore. But this seems like a really awesome, has those same thinky elements minus the pointing guns at each other. Mm-hmm. So great, <laughs> great suggestion. Uh, and yeah, I love it. That's a the opening salvo. That's a great one. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go right on your heels here. Okay. If we're talking, and not that we have to talk about this, but you said you started with a social deduction game, and social deduction is a category of games I absolutely love, uh, and I I own a boatload of social deduction games. Um, these are games for everybody that doesn't know. They're games where you don't know kind of what the player's interests are. Some of them you're trying to figure out who did something and this kind of stuff, but the, the core mechanic of social deduction is just that you don't know my interest. I got a card that might say that I want certain actions to happen, and you have to kind of deduce through my gameplay that, like, oh, he's a good guy. He's a bad guy. Oh, he's the banker, and he's the this, this, that, right? Like, lots of different variations on that theme, but it's the fact that you don't know what I want. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites, I'm a history teacher, so I like some of these ones that have some historical theme to it. Secret Hitler is an amazing one. And for anybody coming, and I, I'm loving that I'm going to suggest this right after saying Cash and Guns is a little like, eh, I don't know if I feel comfortable <laughs> doing that. I'm going to say that this one, while Hitler is a piece of this game, I got to tell you as a history teacher, it does, I think, a nice job of... One, showing you actually a little bit of the, the structure of Nazi Germany, that there's like a chancellor and a president. Um, it kind of divides power like that. And then the the point of the game here is there's the liberals and then there's these fascists. And these are the cards that we don't know who's who. So we've all got these like party agendas and somebody out there is some Nazis and some of them are like, one of them is Hitler. Hitler doesn't know who the Nazis are. The Nazis are trying to help Hitler sort of win the game. The liberals obviously are trying to figure out who Hitler is and not let him win the game. Uh, but there's some interesting game mechanics. There's some interesting history going on because each round you sort of enact these like policies. They're generic policies, so don't feel like this is a complicated game. They're just these cards I, that have fake text. I was going to say it is such a simple game, which is what's beautiful about it. It is. But like you enact these policies, what I love, absolutely love as a history teacher is with each policy that gets passed on the liberals side of the board, it just helps you win the game. With each policy that gets passed on the fascist side of the board, it helps the fascists possibly win the game. But it gives the like president or the chancellor, like it'll say which one, gets a bonus 
by passing a law for the fascists because the fascists are like the government's getting stronger. So you get to like do an investigation. And that means I get to look at one person's card and see like, oh, no, 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 Paul is a liberal, right? But I'm the only one that got to see that. So I could, again, still be controlling information, lying. Paul could be a fascist, but uh, I, I'm the only one that got to see his card. But it, it's this interesting historical moment of even the good guys sometimes are tempted by the like, well, we could just pass this one policy because we're going to get this power, right? And it's like this, like, mm -hmm. ooh, you know, like we have to be careful, right? It's a slippery slope when you start kind of making that deal with the devil sort of thing. And I love it. And it's just a fun, rousing hoot of a game. They did a great job with production value. And I, I, anytime that happens, is just another fun treat. Um, so that, that would be one I would suggest uh other quick nominations that i would give in this category that i won't necessarily break down every piece of mm -hmm. but uh another one would be mafia de cuba that one's really good um it comes in like a cigar box and it's kind of awesome there's like gems in the cigar box there's a couple other things in the cigar box and you kind of pass it around and people you're stealing gems from the mob, mob boss or you're trying to help them out and you have to kind of deduce as it goes around, like who did what. And when the, it comes back to the boss and he sees like he's missing five gems, figuring out who took them, why they took them. Other people are going to help you out and says like, when I got the box, there was already two missing. It gets passed in player order. So like if that person's telling the truth, then we know Paul stole the gems. But is he telling the truth? Maybe he's the one that stole it. Like ugh. another good one is Secrets. This one's a KGB CIA uh theme and it's fabulous that's a fun one so those are some honorable mentions good cop bad cop i'd mention in there too i uh, would put in deception murder in hong kong as well um i love that one as well that's a good one yes that one's fantastic that one's a really good party game too that you can kind of teach everybody because that one plays a high player count yes um yeah so Good honorable mentions there. Seriously, pick up any of those if you're not comfortable with the Hitler one. Like I said, Secrets is a great one. Good Cop, Bad Cop, Mafia de Cuba. Uh, and Deception Murder in Hong Kong is really awesome. It's it's like Clue minus alt. The like boring like move on the board kind of stuff. Like I don't really want to take 20 minutes to move it's, to the library. You minus all I that. I would put it... If I was going to hybrid it, I would say it's Clue meets Mysterium. Correct. Mysterium, great game. We can talk about that. I just don't know how many people know about it. But as, like two, game, as two gamers, I would say yes, 100%. That is, if those two had a child, it's this one. But uh, for those for those games that everybody knows about, it's kind of like Clue minus the moving on the board. You're just really yes. looking at various things, trying to figure things out, asking each other questions. Um, and ruling things out and tossing a little suspicion around, you know, it's good. It's fabulous. Plays really quick too. So mm -hmm. it's one of those when you're talking about having a game night, any of these social deduction games we talked about, uh, and I'm sure Good Critters is the same way. Yep. I mean, you're talking about like a 30 minute tops, 45 minute playtime. And so you have dinner with your friends, they come over, you chit chat, mm -hmm. whatever. And then you sit down at that table and it's one of these games where you play once and maybe everybody's a little bit like, I kind of get it. All right. And we play, but with it only being 30, 40 minutes, it's one of those that you're like, all right, now let's load it up again. 
Oh yeah, they they are. You can play once and be done quickly, or you could play three hours and just play round after round, and it's not going to get stale. It's up to you and your group how much you want to go. Yeah, that's that's a category I just love. There, most social deduction games have a high player account, uh, like allotment. So, like most ones I suggested could go up to like eight, even ten players. Um, but even for sure, all of them could go up to six. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's really nice when you have a couple couples. It, they always produce rousing laughter sort of moments. You know? Yes. Either there's something that gets revealed in a particular round that becomes funny, or it's something that like after the 20 minutes are up and somebody's like, what? Like, Paul, you were lying to me the whole game. I totally was like, you were my solid rock that I was trusting, <laughs> you know, because that's what happens in these. Like you sort of like make these sort of unwritten alliances. And if the person's able to like keep it straight, you know, they might be the person sending you down the wrong road, but you are believing them. And you're convinced that the others are the bad ones, but it's like, nope, they were your buddies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, so what about what about something else? I mean, so that was one you learned this year. Yep. Um, for, you have, so, uh, yes, so this one is my, I have to get it in because it's our favorite game. It's a card game. It's a great it's both a great intro game if you're trying to get someone into playing a little more complex games than just your Monopoly, your Scrabble, your normal things. Um, it's called Bonanza, and it is a game of planting bean farms. And it sounds, just on the surface, like the most boring, awful game, but it turns into one of the most fun uh, cutthroat trading games. You have to trade your beans away. Because the key mechanic is you normally have a hand of cards and you can pick from your hand and I want to play this card now and I want to play this card now. But Bonanza locks your cards in place so you can only play the next card that's coming up. And so you have to either trade cards away or you have to harvest beans before you're ready. And it really is a simple game to teach, but it is so it forces some really interesting interactions between players. And it is the one that I think in our game group, we end up playing the most because at the end of a game night, we'll just look around and say, let's do a round of Bonanza before we leave. It's one, you just described one of my favorites. Like, you know, you're amongst good friends, good gamers when, you know, you finish sort of the main course, like, right. Like you might've played some two hour longer format game. And then you're kind of like, yeah, let's let's throw this little one on top of it all. I love when that happens. Uh, Bonanza is a great game for anyone that's looking for a game that works with family, works with friends, works with older, older, older adults, and even works with I don't want to say younger, younger, younger. You can't be like super young and play it, but you you could play this fourth grade up, third grade up, probably even. Third grade up, I would say you could easily play it. They might not know all the strategies, but after like their mm-hmm. second game, they would they would mm-hmm. be employing the strategies because they would see what you did. They would model after like, oh, I get it. Like he's really pushing hard for the chilies or the black beans or the right. Mm-hmm. Um, the graphics are downright. They're amazing. Like, amazing and hilarious. <laughs> I absolutely love like the black the black eyed beans. It's like I still can picture it in my head. It's a, a bean in a boxing ring, and he's kind of like 
woozy-ish, and he's got a black eye because he just got hit um, <laughs> for the for the black bean, you know, and the stink bean has like steam coming off of him. Uh, it, yes, and yeah, the the cocoa bean has just fifteen arms everywhere because he's moving so fast. It's yeah, I, I love it. Yes, it's it's a perfect little game. The thing I also like about that game, and I'm going to parlay that into my game suggestion, is this is a game that does a cool game mechanic in which the cards get used multiple ways, right? So face face value, it's a black bean card, and I can lay that down and plant it in my field, uh, to which you have two fields, and you can, game mechanic-wise, choose to buy a third field, so that's interesting. Um, then when you flip the cards to their backside their backside is a, a single gold coin and so you have your hand of cards those are possible things you could plant those are your seeds if you will right then you put it down face up that is your planted field of that type and then the third sort of function is spending gold to buy that third field and gold is your points so when i harvest a field it says at the bottom of each card like how much you know you harvest so many of these beans and it's worth two gold coins. So you take your ten of those things, flip two of them over to gold coins, put that into your pile, and sort of throw away the rest. Um, but I love that that multi-use card. I think that's so elegant, so well done, and I think more card games should should kind of go to that. It's so clean. So like I said, I promised I will tell everyone. Another great game to pick up that has that dual card mechanic, and that is uh, San Juan. I absolutely love San Juan. Great card game. Great two, three, or four player card game. Finishes in anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. Plenty of meaty choices. So fun. The storyline here is you're, you know, you're building the sort of early American colonies in San Juan. Oh, I shouldn't say American. Spanish colonies in San Juan. Um, and the cards have uh, a triple use here. So in your hand, they are which, which buildings you could make. Like you're looking at possible buildings. In your hand, it's also the gold. So let's say to build this building, it says in the corner, toss four to build this. So I'm going to take it out of my hand, put it down into my tableau that I'm building. But then I'm going to have to throw away four other cards. So you're literally like, in the Bonanza analogy, you'd be throwing away four other beans to lay this mm -hmm. one bean. And you really got to decide, is this bean worth throwing away the other potential buildings you could make? And it's so like such a hard choice. Um, and then, so that's two ways they're used. The third way is some of your buildings produce things and they produce goods. And when you produce a good, you take a, a card off the deck and keeping it face down so I can't see what it is, you lay it on like your farm or your factory or your field. And so that shows that it's got like one unit produced there of whatever building it's on. So if it's on the sugar field, like then that's a sugar. And then when you go to like a sell round, I have one sugar to sell because I have this card face down there and it'll give me a price point in which sugar's worth and I get to gain that many more cards into my hand which are potential buildings I can build they also count as gold so having more cards lets you build more Whew. and it is just a clean elegant game that is so fun it also has a role selection mechanic 
Mm-hmm. And what and what this is for anybody that hasn't played a new board game, if like you're stuck in the old Monopoly and you think you don't like board games because you think of board games just as like they were when you were a kid, they have come up with some great mechanics that keeps everyone involved. And this one I love, role selection. There are these five roles, and on my turn, if I select that, hey, I want to do the builder action. I take this little tile that's like I'm doing the builder action. And what it says on all of these tiles, there is an action and a privilege. The action we all get to do. So by me selecting builder, Paul's going to get to build as well. So Paul isn't sitting there waiting for 10 minutes to, well, it's his turn. Every time somebody selects one of these roles, Paul's going to get to do something. And then there's the privilege that only I get to do because I took it. So in the case of the builder, all my the building I build is going to cost me one less coin. Paul can build, I can build, but mine's going to be a little cheaper. Um, and this is another interesting game mechanic in that like you're wondering what other people are going to select. Like, ooh, I really need to trade things, but I think Paul's going to want to trade things anyway, so Paul's probably going to select the trader, so I'm not even going to select it. I'm going to hope to piggyback on Paul's action. So I'll take the builder, I build my thing, and then come to find out Paul doesn't take the trader, and it's like, oh, like I really was like calculating that he was <laughs> going to take that and like activate that for me. Because unlike certain board games where you like go through all the steps, this one, there's no guarantee you're going to go through all the steps. Like if he doesn't select trader and neither does, you know, Paul's fiance, and then it's back to my turn, like that action didn't happen this round. And like I needed it to happen this round. Oh, it's just such a good mechanic. I have not heard of San. Oh, I've heard of San Juan. I have not played San Juan. So I will pick that up. It actually, it reminds me a lot of one of my honorable mentions for this kind of game. Which it seems like a much easier kind of entry level kind of race to the galaxy kind of thing. Race to the galaxy being a similar game where you have action, you have actions with privileges, and you play your card, and if you play it, everyone gets to do it, and you get to do that. It's got a lot of it's kind of an engine building thing where you start building these 100%. really big things that every round you then have, get to do ten or fifteen things. Um, so where San Juan sounds like something that I could just do in a half hour instead of an hour and a half. San Juan is like race for the galaxy for everyone. And yet equally fun for the gamer. It's not like, oh, yes. I'm playing the like super neutered version because my friends <laughs> don't know how to play this. Race for the galaxy for anybody that is out there thinking about picking up these games. It is an amazing game, but that one is an investment in terms of like learning curve. Yes. There's like almost no text on the card. So it's all about like learning a ton of iconography. Super worth learning. I mean, great game. But it it is not one that you can just sort of pull out once and and everybody will enjoy it. Like you almost have to say like, we're going to play this three, four times. Probably the first two times it's going to be a lot of like, now what does this do and why do I want this? But by that third time you play it, that fourth time you play it, you're like, this is an amazing engine. So I want to jump in real quick because you said that because we're, we're talking about some barriers to entry and stuff. Mm-hmm. I know rules can be a big barrier to entry and people may not know that there are so many great rule tutorials on YouTube. If you pick up a game and you look at the rule book and go, I, I don't even know where to start. If you type that that board game rule, that game board game rules into YouTube, so many great resources that will teach you the game and you don't have to reread the same passage 10 times to go. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I would suggest to like, 
actually have put the game out in front of you. Like, mm-hmm. oh, another successful tip. Not so much in terms of learning the game. Paul gave a really great suggestion. I want to echo, echo, same, same. Go look up the video reviews and video rules. Like Rodney Smith is a great one uh, for teaching Dice rules. Dice Tower has some great ones. Dice Tower has a good one. Rodney Smith. Uh, mm, There's another one I like called Watch It Played. Watch It Played, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but the other thing I was going to say is barrier to like getting others to like the hobby or you know if you want to if you want to try this even if you're all trying to get into this hobby and you're like let's do this let's buy a board game michael and paul makes this sound so fun we're gonna do it they're gonna (laughs) buy one of these now my first tip for you is whoever's the one out there buying the game you need to read those rules before the game night like nothing kills the game night more you can look at the rules during game night you can be like i can't remember the flow of play let me just grab that oh yeah yeah. first we do this then we do that i got that's fine i'm not saying you have to have it memorized but if you're like okay we're gonna play san juan and everybody sits down and you're like now let me take this out okay we are all going to first start by taking a blue card and then oh my gosh like everyone at the table is gonna be like i did not come here to read this for 30 minutes before we play for 30 minutes like you have to be able to kind of just sum it up. If you're more into the board games and it's like, this is like the fourth time your friends are going to do this, this like game night and they're in and they're cool with it. You, by all means, I suggest like emailing your friends, the watch it played video, you know, like, Hey guys, we're going to play this, this one this Saturday. If it's sometime you can kind of watch this just to get a general idea. I will refresh the rules when you get there. But like, it would help if this was at least in your head that you get it's a stock market buying game and yada, yada, yada. And now all I have to do is like, remember, you can only buy one stock and, you know, whatever. It just goes a lot quicker. Absolutely. So those are those are good tips. That was a nice little intermission, Paul, here. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, as I said, this episode's going to be a little longer. Um, so, Paul, I have a suggestion I want to make huge category that just burst on the scene probably in 2018 2019 continued to see these games come out are a category called roll and write and yes love me my roll and write games i have several of them on my list yes so let's take a look at that before we get in there because just to kind of define the theme because it all all of these are going to just work more or less the same way with some rule tweaks to fit that game. Uh, Roll and Write is basically an upgraded thematic Yahtzee. So, you know, you are rolling some dice to hope to achieve certain results, Uh, but instead of just having it be numbered patterns, like I got four or fives, check, you know, and I got like four of this, they try to like make a little more meaning wrapped around it. And some have produced some, I shouldn't even say that, there are some that are just mathematical. All sorts of flavors, but they've mm-hmm. sort of come up with some interesting ways to use the dice to make it a little more fun. Uh, and so I'm curious, what are what what what's what's the roll and write you're going to suggest if you, okay, if you had so, to pick, if you had to pick one if there was like these people are going to pick up Paul's roll and write suggestion? It is. You it's can not a roll and write. <gasps> Talk. So to me. before. Before I get to that, I want to say Quix is a perfect intro roll-and-write game that is a roll-and-write. True. Uh, but 
my favorite is actually a card flip and write, and it is called Welcome to Your Perfect Neighborhood. I love Welcome to. And it um, it takes all the essentials of a roll and write, which is you are, there's some common cards in the middle that everyone is using to mark their page. But the cards give you interesting things because as you flip a card, you get to see what's on the back. And there's a symbol on the back of every card and a number on the front. And so when you flip a card, you'll reveal a new number and a new symbol. And then you have to use that number on the paper that you're given. And the paper you're given has different uses for each of the symbols. So there's a symbol where you can draw a fence in between two of your houses in your neighborhood. Or there's a symbol that lets you double a house number. So if you you have to do house numbers chronologically, so small numbers to big numbers. But there's one that, let's say you have a seven here and you put a nine two houses away. Well, with this one, you can take a little bit of a penalty and you can have two sevens right next to each other. And it, it takes a lot of thinking and planning ahead of where do I want to put my house numbers? And the big goals are how many houses you need in between fences. So where do I want to put my fences so that I can get these big bonus goals? Yeah, I love Welcome to talk about a fun theme. Uh, it's like you're building a 1950s sort of row home neighborhood. Uh, the A lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but several roll and write games like Quicks are about putting numbers sort of in sequential order. And it's that choice of by placing, so his example of like if he puts in this box a two and like several boxes later puts a nine, he can only now put three through eight in the in-between boxes. So for example, if he puts two and then leaves one space open and puts a four in the following space, like he must roll, or in this case card flip, a three to put in that spot. Nothing else can go in that spot. Um, I love that mechanic. And I also love that sequential ordering works so well in the theme here because it's addresses. So your addresses are going to go up <laughs> as you sort of move left to right. So not only does it follow the same sort of roll and write pattern that several games have, but this one actually works so thematically. You're like, ah, oh, it's just like addresses. You know, you can't like put a lower number before a higher number on an address. And when every time I explain that to everybody, they're like, okay, I got it. You know, mm -hmm. check, 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 check. Got it, got it. Um, some fun little like extra the, there's all these scoring categories to that that are kind of fun you can like there's parks and pools and they all sort of score different ways and it's just this puzzle of like what do i do you know die like can i make enough points by just going with these parks or should i be doing the pools do i disregard the pools and worry more about like placement of these houses and fences and all of this is happening all the time and the other thing I absolutely love about Roland Wrights is this idea that it's the same shared information. Mm -hmm. So not all Roland Wrights work this way, but Welcome To does. The suggestion I'm going to make does. Uh, it has that, like, we're all using the same cards, exact same cards. So it's three cards are going to be flipped up in Welcome To, and it's like, what are you going to do with those? And you're going to get to choose one. And it's so cool at the end of the game to be like, wow, like Paul figured the puzzle out better than I did because he had the exact same. You can't say, well, he just rolled all sixes all game, so he won. Like, nope, like we all have the same information. Paul made better choices. 
And there are some games like this one, and I know you've done this on Instagram and YouTube, where the player count is only limited by the amount of papers that people have. Since it's shared information, you could have a thousand people in a room and put it on a projector and everyone could play. Yeah, I play, so I've done two online. I've done the one roll and write I would suggest people talk about getting is Railroad Inc. It is mm-hmm. fantastic, and that's one that falls into that category. Literally, everyone on Earth could play it as long as they have access to see what the roles are, because we're all going to use the same roles. Uh, Welcome 2 would work that way. You're just limited by the... I have not done that one, but maybe I should do that one on, on my channel. Uh, that would make a good I- live stream. Yeah, I think there is a good. I think there's a good app that has the paper on it, so people would be able to. Oh, that'd be cool. I'll check that out. We can talk more about that a little later. Yes. My suggestion that I absolutely loved uh, is one called Cartographers, and I did that one on my YouTube channel. Um, I will be doing that one again. Actually, I got somebody that wrote me yesterday and said, "When are you going to do that? You said you were going to do another one, and you haven't done it." <laughs> so I, I'm going to do that one. Probably in the new year, probably in January, I'll do another cartographer's. Uh, but super awesome. This one, similarly, there's going to be some cards that come out, and you're going to have to like choose those cards. There's some scoring categories. Unlike Welcome to, these scoring categories aren't static. They're they're like decks of cards in which like each time you play, you're going to lay these cards out. And so each game's a little different because like oh, in this one we want to do more. Uh, of like houses. In this one, we want to do more forests. In this one, we need to have forests next to houses. So we oh, we gotta like make sure we're building our things that way. The game is a grid, like it's just a grid sheet. And think Tetris. The cards that come out are these Tetris shapes, and and then usually two types of terrain. And you get to decide. Oh, I'm going to use this one for forests, and I'm going to sneak it in here and write like Think Tetris. You're like filling in this map. Uh, I super love the theme of it. Like you are drawing a map, like you are a cartographer. Uh, I have, because I am a super nerd and I am comfortable in my nerddom here to admit it here on Well Played, uh, I like to sometimes bling out my games a little bit. And this one, spend extra like six dollars seven dollars go to target and buy some colored pencils so i bought like five sets of colored pencils and then when you're like drawing a forest you you know you shade it in green when you draw like water you shade it in blue and like it's so cool at the end to see your like map and like that's awesome in your head like you you do have this little like storyline of like yeah there's the forest and there's the mountains and there's the cities and (laughs) like Nothing to do with the game there, but I absolutely love doing that. I, I love that idea. Um, super honorable mention for Roland Rights, a German game that came out last year called Guns Schon Clever. Yes. Um, it's, it's similar to a Quix. It's similar to a Yahtzee, but you have different colored dice, and each colored dice you are trying to do something different with. So one set of dice you were trying to do like the like we were talking about where it's you have to go sequentially one two three four five six one set of dice you just want the biggest roll you have one set of dice is you need to clear these certain roll conditions in rows and columns and then 
the best thing about that is by doing certain things in certain sections, you get bonuses in other sections. And so you get these chain reactions where you will, okay, I put this in orange and that orange gives me a blue. I'm going to do that. That blue gives me a yellow. And it, it makes you feel really smart just by doing, just by putting one little number in a, in a specific spot. I love it. It is. It, it's all about that cascade effect in that game. When like one triggers another, which triggers another, which triggers another, and you're like, oh my gosh, I am so clever. <laughs> uh, so I would say uh, another honorable mention in that category for me is one called On Tour. I will be doing a online play of that as well. Maybe I'll do that one first because it'll be like something different. Um, that's a great one. You're a band traveling across the United States in like your your van. You're not like a huge hit yet, you know. So like you're you're just in your little VW van, and um, the point here is cards come out. And they're sections of the United States. Sometimes it says the North. Sometimes it says the South. Sometimes it says the West, Central, East, right? These are all the breakups of that. And then you roll this, these two dice and you use the two dice together both ways. So what I mean by that is that let's say I rolled a three and a six. You're going to have to place the number 36 down and the number 63 down. And then there's this map of the United States with all these like circles where you're going to write that number down. Uh, but you can only place in the regions that are available to you this time. And there's going to be three regions. So like maybe anywhere in the north. So that could be the western part of the north, the central part of the north, or the eastern part of the north. Maybe you have none of those like large swath north-south cards and you just have like central, central, and east. So it's like, ugh. I really wanted the number 63 in the West, but like too bad. Like I have to play 63 and I can't place it. What you're going to do in the end of the game, you're trying to build the like the longest route you can of consecutive numbers. Well, I shouldn't say consecutive, but you know, ascending numbers. Uh, and so you're, you're sometimes just shoving numbers in corners of the U S that you like are not going to be on your band's route. So you're <laughs> like, ah, I'm going to shove this 63 that I'm not going to use way up in North Dakota you know, and then like hope, hope that a future round we roll right and I can like put it in my little pathway. You can at any point change what your pathway is. You're not like locked in until the end of the game and trying to like mitigate that like luck, risk, reward thing is so fun. Everyone I teach the game to just loves it. Uh, very nice component quality that the game comes with, I think, eight dry erase boards and they're really colorful and they fold out. They're, they're kind of like almost like a cocktail menu. Like it all folds together into this. Little, oh, I love it. And then you like unfold it and you got the map of the United States, these like dry erase markers. Uh, you get to name your band. It's it's always fun. It's That game's <laughs> on tour. That would be my honorable mention, which I don't think is an honorable mention if I literally explained it that much. <laughs> so sorry about that. Broke the rules. That's okay. Uh, another category that I'm going to toss out there that we can kind of explore is uh, dexterity games. Do you, mm -hmm. do you have any dexterity games in your collection? I do. I am limited on dexterity games just because I don't love them as much because I'm not dexterous. I'm not good at them. So, so can you explain um, what dexterity games are to people yes. that don't know? So dexterity games are games where um, you have to accomplish something in front of you that requires you to make precise movements or a lot of times it'll be stacking things or 
throwing, moving things around the table. So it's not necessarily brain-based skill like a chess game. It's more how how can you how can like you Jenga. use dexterity? Yeah, Jenga. Um, the one that comes to mind too, Jenga is and uh, don't break the ice. That little yeah. game for like little kids. That was my favorite game as a kid. Where you have to knock the ice down without knocking the little man down. And so it's it's those kind of games where you have to have it's more physical skill based than it is strategy based. So I'm curious for the guy that doesn't have many of them and doesn't really love them. I'm curious what's the one or two that made it into your collection. So the one that is in my collection is uh, that I can think of off the top of my head is called Flick 'em Up, and it yes. is a it is a you set up you you have to have a pretty pretty big playing space like a dining room table dining room table but you set up on the table the it comes with these little cardboard cutouts you set up this little old western town it looks so cool it's like a western movie like it's amazing yeah and and there's so many different ways you can set it up and then you get these little cowboys and you set the cowboys up and then you can play different missions but the basic version of the game is you're trying to shoot the other team and you shoot them, you have this little hockey puck kind of thing that you set next to your character and you flick it. And if it hits someone on the other team, you hit them. And if it misses, you miss. And to move your little cowboys, you have to flick too. So if you want to move your cowboy closer to your opponents, you have to flick another little disc. And where that disc lands, that's where your cowboy goes. And you can, there's all sorts of cool things. Like if you flick it into a building, your character gets to go into that building. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the game comes with, I want to say, 10 or 12 kind of missions or scenarios. So mm-hmm. it, it can be just a shoot 'em up. You know, there's the good guys and the bad guys. Each have five characters. Here's your town, blast away. They come with these little hay bales you can hide behind and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but there's some scenarios where it's kind of cool. Like the town matters. Like you got to go defend the bank or you got to go rob the bank or, you, you know, so trying to get it. So that they can get in there and out of there and out of town in time uh, is, is a fun, fun mechanic. Uh, I like Flick 'em Up. That is a great suggestion. Uh, my honorable mention to the Flick 'em Up sort of style would be one called Catacombs. It is like a going through the dungeon sort of theme. One of us, so this one's kind of everybody versus one one of us is the dungeon lord and like each room you get to the lord gets to like set up with his bad guys and he can put them where he wants and then the good guys come into the room and just like any sort of video game that falls in that style there's somebody that's really good at range attack there's somebody that's just like Mm -hmm. super beefy and strong there's somebody that's like a wizard and kind of like can do weird healy sort of things but it's all about like flicking and putting your guys in position, using those special abilities at the right time. You know, it's about that bad guy positioning the guys correct in the room and using those power ups in the correct way. Super fun game. But the suggestion I'm going to make for anybody that's out there thinking about adding these great games for like, like I said, that Christmas party or the you know New Year's party coming up. I love the two. I'm going to make two here. I, I can't. I can't decide which one's better. <laughs> I, I'm going to say Meeple Circus is downright hilarious. This one, you're like using these little meeples, these little wooden character figures, and you got to stack them in certain ways. Like 
One's the acrobat. He likes to be the highest you can. So you want to try to stack him really high. Others are like really strong and they're the bottom guys. So they need, they need to be holding something up for them to get points. Then you get all these like animal pieces like an elephant, a tiger, and all these other things. And you got to use those. There are cards that are like stunts you're trying to perform. So it'll be like if the elephant has its front legs like on the ball, like that's worth five points. So like, but this is timed. So like you're trying to like stack that as like a timer is playing this circusy music. It comes with a free app. So you can play this circusy music. And we're all building at the same time. So it's simultaneous play. So we all draft these pieces we need. And then we hit the timer and all of us only have like something like a minute and a half or something to try to like achieve those goals. And then at the end of the time, we all stop. And we see like we add up like, well, he was able to get that ball trick and that person's super high and that's worth like four points. And then they add it up and then you play like another round and then you get to this final round. That one's not simultaneous play. That one, everyone drafts like a special bonus card that's usually funny. Like you, every time a certain noise happens in the music, you have to stand up. Every time a piece falls, you have to say, ow, that hurt or something. And if you do that, you get like the bonus, like eight points that the card's worth. But if you fail to do it, you don't get the points. And on this one, it's called like opening night or something, this this round. And this round, where it's not simultaneous play, we're all watching you. So now all of a sudden there's this tense like, <laughs> oh my gosh, before it was tense because of the time. Now it's tense because like you are performing and it is... I don't know. It fits the theme, and I absolutely love it. That's super fun. So I would suggest Meeple Circus. Um, the other one, I guess I will honorable mention this one. I won't talk too much about it. <laughs> is Men at Work. It's a construction game, which you might like because it's less about like flicking. You know, it's less about the super precise like of the like. It's more Jenga style. You're more like putting something down carefully to balance. You're building this construction site, like think steel beams, and it's going to get like raised up and up and up. And then there are these con- these cute little wooden construction guys with these hard hats, and you have to put some of them on the beams. So sometimes it's like, where do you put the guy on the beam so that it balances, doesn't fall? Some of the guys have to hold certain equipment. So you're like, you have to place a guy, and then on him, you have to like place a, like a brick on him that's also balancing on other things. And Super fun if it like falls over. The game's not over. We all have these safety certificates. And if you make it <laughs> if you make it fall over, you lose a safety certificate. The next player, I love this mechanic. The next player doesn't just like go about their next turn. They have to clean up the site before their turn starts. And and so if like they have to remove any piece that's touching the ground. And if they cause it to fall, cleaning up your mess, that's their problem. They lose a safety certificate. <laughs> Uh, but if they were to successfully clean it up, they then would take their natural turn. Um, super fun. My daughter, this is probably one of her favorite games. And it's not really built for kids, but that really shows me how like awesome it is. The the yeah. the, the production value is great. She thinks like the guys look super cute. Um, I love the titles Men at Work, but right on the cover, there's a female right there. Um and the female plays a predominant role in the game about like turn five in the game or something. You flip this card that's her and she's actually the boss. And once the boss comes out, she's called, she's called, she's called Rosie. It, once the boss comes out, 
if on your turn you place a piece and it happens to be the highest piece, she's impressed and you get this little like construction award and those are worth points at the end as well. So like I love the gender sort of equity in the game. Um, I love the game itself. Super easy to explain. Awesome. Uh, every time I teach this, it takes like literally two minutes to teach and everybody's having a great time. Love it. Yeah, that's that's a good one. So we have probably countless more games to talk about, but yes. we, we have to sort of wrap <laughs> this up. I just want one more suggestion from you, and that's for somebody who wants to actually play a, that next level game. So everything we've suggested today, other than sort of Race for, to the Galaxy, I think any of you could pick up and play tomorrow, easy peasy, even if you're yes. just getting into the hobby. But let's say like they pick some of these up. Let's say they buy five of these. They play five of these. And two months from now, they're like, now what? Like, what would be your like next gamery game? I'm looking at two. And I'm trying to think which one's going to be my honorable mention. I'll, okay. So the one I would say, the one that my fiance and I have the most fun playing, um, works well too, goes up to five, is Terraforming Mars. Um, it's... It's an engine building game, so you are building, you're building turns that that will start stacking on each other. You're collecting credits. You're basically you are a company that is competing with other companies to be the first to successfully terraform Mars and make it livable for humans and a society. And so every generation, you are trying to put water on the planet, increase the oxygen level, and increase the temperature of the planet so that is it's sustainable. And you do it by playing cards into, into it really becomes a machine where on every turn I now can add credits here or I take all these plants and I can take these plants and build a forest or I can, um, I can pay a certain amount of credits and I can drill a lake. And it's, it's just this, it's a huge undertaking that you're, you're simulating and you, there's some drafting mechanics you can use where you have you have some cards you're looking at and you can keep them or you can give them to your opponent but you only get to keep one so which ones are you going to mm -hmm. save what re what are you going to save for later so there are cards you can't use till the end of the game because you can't use this until the oxygen levels a certain amount well do i keep this card because i got it in my first hand and it's an amazing card or do i get rid of it because i don't want to pay for it it's it's this really cool big game that's awesome what's your honorable mention my honorable mention is twilight struggle which is a dueling game about the cold war um so it's a two-player game i will say this though it is the only game in my collection that there is a digital version a computer game version available where i like the digital version a little bit better I have the app. It's good. I what I like about the app is obviously you can play it without somebody like there's an AI and mm -hmm. um that's that's nice. Um Twilight Struggle is a game thematic wise is amazing. Like as a history teacher, hats off to that game design because uh, there are these events that come out that are all true events that happen in history and push the game in a correct sort of way. It's awesome. The downside to that is that's another one kind of like race for the galaxy you have to play a couple times because if, mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with those events 
I'm thinking about, I played with a friend of mine and he just like built up Israel like as a like base of operation for him. And then I played the Arab-Israeli war, and which card, which automatically meant like remove your enemies points and mm-hmm. automatically put yours. But he had like spent, he could have literally picked any place next to it to make his base of operation because he put like... 10 pieces mm-hmm. there or something and then i play one card remove his 10 pieces and put my two which in the mm-hmm. game removing a piece is hard to do so like i shouldn't have been able to do it that light that easy but he didn't know that card existed nor did i when we first played and that's one of the great things about the app is you can play a bunch of times get yourself caught up read through all the cards play against a computer yeah that's great that's really great nice. game good suggestion terraforming mars another good suggestion uh this is super hard for me because i love i mean like now we're getting into i like the games we've suggested so far but like now you're getting into my like hobby like where i super 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 duper love these these are nice little puzzles my favorite games tend to be like 90 minutes to two hours probably 90 minutes my favorite but two hours Mm -hmm. is also really good it's long enough that you can really think through a fun puzzle and put and see that sort of play out um, probably one that I'm going to suggest right now. I don't know if I can say it's my favorite, but one I'm going to suggest that you should pick up is Orleans. Uh, it's a bag building game. So you're you're buying these sort of workers, so to speak, and you they're these little round chits, and you put them into your bag, and s- then each round you're going to like pull so many of those workers out of your bag, but you don't know who you're pulling out. So it's kind of this idea of like what engine am I creating? Do I want to buy a bunch of farmers so that the likelihood when I draw out of the bag, I'm drawing farmers? Do I want to buy a lot of priests or whatever? Thing that I also love about it is very clean game design. While this game is that sort of next step, that sort of bigger game, that two-hour game, the rules really aren't super complex. I really feel like I could teach this to anybody listening to this game or listen to this podcast, like even if you're new to gaming, uh, because it's such a clean design. You're, the, it's clear what you're going to draw, how many you're going to draw. It's clear why you'd want to buy certain guys. The choices you make with those guys are all clear, but they're all hard decisions. They're all like, you're going to want to do 10 things on your turn, but you're only going to be able to really accomplish two, maybe three things. So there's always that tension, but the choices are clear in terms of your understanding of them. So it's not one of these like, I don't know why I'm choosing this, but I'm going to choose like, no, you'll know why. And mm-hmm. your, your, your decisions may not play out correctly in the end, but like <laughs> you, you, you made them in good conscience and that that's pretty awesome. So I would say that one honorable mention, this is probably just because I just played it. So I, this, I don't know if it really deserves it on this list, this spot, but <laughs> it is a solid design. I mean, it, it will be in my collection always and forever last night i played glenmore uh chronicles 2 um glenmore is an older game that got reprinted this year it actually just arrived yesterday and then i busted it out and read the rules <laughs> invited a friend over and we played it um it's cool it's a great game the cost is a little higher i want to say it's like 65 dollars. it's a bigger investment but what they did with Chronicles is they took the old game, updated it. It The artwork's amazing. The game is amazing. Like uh, Glenmore is a game that has won all sorts of awards when it first came out. 
Then what they did with Chronicles is they gave you almost like eight expansions that you then, they come in these cool little boxes uh, that look like books and you can play the base game, which is amazing and have won all these awards, or you can like play the base game and pull out one of those Chronicles and add <laughs> just, just that little feature. And they're all like little features. So it's not like, oh, I got to learn 27 new rules for the right. expansion. They're just these tiny little expansions that take the game and, and spin a little bit. I'm so excited to dive into some of those Chronicles. Some of the guys that I listen to podcast-wise and video-wise that review this stuff have been reviewing this you know, 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10. So just a stellar great game. A game that truly you could teach, I think, most people. It's a tile laying game. You're gonna like buy tiles, put it into your Love tableau. Tiles. You're gonna put it in your tableau, but it's a little bit of the engine building. I know you also like Paul, so you're not just making a pretty picture. Like you're snapping these tiles in, and then what happens is it activates the tile you just bought and all the tiles that that tile touches. So <laughs> when you like have this, like last night I had this engine that was like built around trading. So one of my tiles could let me trade in resources for points. But the only way I can get that that trade in resources for points to turn on is place another tile around it. So I buy a tile, put it around there and trade in a bunch of stuff. Cool. But then I was like, shoot, I just traded in all my like animals. Now I need more animals. Well, the only way to get more animals, I had my animals off to like another area of my like city. Well, then I have to buy a tile and place it next to those to like turn on those tiles and reproduce my animals to then like turn on this other one. But what hit me, that was the first time playing it. Oh, I so should have designed my city differently. So those could like co-activate. So I could like make two animals and then sell two animals at the same turn. But I didn't think that through when I was placing. <laughs> so that was like, I don't know. There's just interesting placement choices, interesting engine building choices, interesting scoring mechanic. Paul is so genius there are four scoring categories i love this i've never seen this in a game and i've played tons of games you you can in each of these categories you compare yourself to the person that has the lowest in that category and you score the difference so like oh i love that so like i have five whiskey barrels you have one i score four points so in the next round you might want to get more whiskey barrels so that like that narrows that gap and i don't score as much or you might just disregard it because you're going to spend your whole second round to just stop me from earning points and mm -hmm. you're not really going to earn them, right? Because if you get up to like three whiskey barrels and I stay at four, you don't score anything for that. I just score one. Like, yeah. So that's fascinating. It is just a great game. Looks beautiful. Super fun. Love it. Sounds like my kind of thing. 90 minutes. Great game. Little on the expensive side, but when you think about what you're getting too, like that replayability plays two to five players or two to four players, sorry. And super fun. That... So one last tip for people who are, because you mentioned price again. Um, if you are lucky enough to live in a big enough city where you have game stores, there are a lot of game stores that will rent games as well. So you can try them before you buy them so i have one just down the street that if they have a game that i want they will allow you to rent it and then you don't have to plunk down the 50 bucks you can play it once and go oh i would play this again or no i, I think i'm good that's a great that. suggestion i also know a lot of them if they don't rent them i know a lot of them will let you play them in the store like there's like a yes. library of already opened games come on in and, and and play some of them charge you like a table fee you know but it 
still it's like five dollars to like play any of their games fight your friends like that's easy peasy uh and always too i gotta say as much as we are an online world and i will admit i order a ton of games online i'm not gonna say i don't i also do want to try to support my local friendly game store and so i go in there and i buy games from them uh i have a friend who owns a game store i i talk to them and buy them they're such wonderful people they take their time with mm -hmm. you like anything like that's why you want to try to support local yes the cost will be higher than amazon so this is not a cost proposition don't sit there and try to like game the system and find out which one's the cheapest like probably they're going to be more expensive but like you're building a relationship and you want you want that relationship to exist and you want that business to exist absolutely so paul thank you so much and uh, for the doing this like holiday special with us uh absolutely like thank you me mega episode this will be helpful for everyone uh even if it's not the holidays i don't know when you guys are catching this episode but these are all great game suggestions if you picked up all of these your game library is instantly amazing <laughs> absolutely uh everybody have a great holidays have a great day have a great weekend have a great day week whatever it is Enjoy your time with friends and family and your neighbors playing these games. I truly hope you pick some up. If you do, give us a shout out on Instagram, Twitter, you know, whatever, Facebook. Uh, also, join the YouTube community I have over there. You know, post some comments on there. We'd love it. Uh, thank you so much and have a great, great day.